Graduation is a sweet occasion, but finding the perfect gift can be a bitter struggle. MMS.com has a solution. Personalized M&Ms. Just imagine the look on your grad's face when they receive a custom candy creation featuring their school's colors, name, and even their photo printed right on some M&Ms. It's a thoughtful way to celebrate their accomplishments and make the occasion even more special. Visit MMS.com to create your own personalized gifts and party favors for graduations, weddings, birthdays, and more. That's MMS.com. Use code WONDERY to receive 15% off your next order. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash Wondery and use code Wondery for 20% off your first purchase. Happy New Year and welcome to the Nerdist Podcast number 302. I hope you guys had a great uh, holiday vacation, or if you were listening to this way after the holidays, then maybe you recently had a vacation, and so it still sort of works, I guess. Let's not worry about the details. Uh, I'm going to be performing stand-up in a lot of cities coming up in the next several months, like in January in Bloomington, Indiana, and Tacoma, Washington, uh, and San Francisco, and then New York in April, and then Madison, Wisconsin, and then Denver, and then Portland, and Baltimore, and D.C., so go to Nerds.com slash calendar to get information on all that stuff. I would like to thank Audible.com for sponsoring this episode of the Nerdist Podcast. Uh, if you go to Audible.com slash Nerdist, you can get a free audiobook download. You can just listen to any book, pretty much any book ever that you could buy is an audiobook on Audible.com, which uh, I cannot... I cannot tell you how valuable audiobooks are, particularly if you live in Los Angeles and you spend a lot of time in your car, or if you commute a lot and you've run out of podcasts to listen to, listen to an audiobook. As a matter of fact, um, I would recommend Warren Ellis's new book, Gun Machine. Warren is going to be a guest on the podcast very, very, very soon, and uh, he turned out to be a super, super cool guy. Uh, I'd never met him. I didn't know. Now I do, and he's great. And uh, Gun Machine uh, is fucking awesome so check it out audible.com slash nerdist this episode of the podcast is tom morello who uh, i've known for quite a few years now and tom is fucking awesome and i am going to wager probably out nerds most of you listening to this podcast uh and we get into that a bit uh, into the podcast but uh, uh we went to tom's studio uh, in his house and just and talked to him for a while and a lot of stuff i didn't know but then a bunch of other stuff i did not know uh, I did not, for instance, know that Tom Morello uh, is a ridiculously huge Star Trek The Next Generation fan. And we get into that quite a bit. Oh, we Tom! I should have had you there for this. Uh, but anyway, check him out on Twitter. T Morello is his username. At T Morello. M-O-R-E-L-L-O. Also check out NightWatchmanMusic.com. The Nerds Podcast number 302 with Tom Morello. Welcome to 2013! It's going to be the best year ever. Now entering Nerdist.com.
was Chicago. Yeah, it was in Chicago, and it was um, it was in Chicago, and Actually, it was. I think that uh, one's already opened by me. You could take, take this one, one that is closed. Do we have, we have to hold these mics? Yeah, we'll yes, thank you for that. <laughs> Assuming you were yeah. very close, That's very it. close. We were going to have you on <laughs> the. Um, <laughs> we were going to have you on the the live show in Chicago, yes, that's and it's correct. just like the day just it missed by like it just did, a yeah, day. Yeah. It's totally fine. Yeah. I'm trying to think when's the last time when we crossed paths. I think it's it was, been a while. It might have been a one at Dave Gibbs's um, Christmas shows at the yeah, Hotel yeah, Cafe. Yeah, 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 that sounds right. I think maybe right around the time you started doing um, Night Watchmen. Yep, yep, yep. All that some time ago. Did it you, was. Have you seen Dave lately? I haven't. We, we've been emailing back and forth, but I haven't seen him in a while. He does like a classy, like, Tuesday night thing at a wine bar in Silver Lake, which is a worthwhile society. Probably oh, check one, too. Hello. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Down to business, Down to business yes. Check, check one, too. Right. He's doing a classy wine bar show? Not a, not a show. It's just sort of like he get, he's become a wine guy, and they go and they talk about the vintage of grapes. Good. Oh, oh is that the one on a cherry aftertaste? Is that the place on Glendale? It's the one next on to the cha-cha Hollywood. And Hollywood. Uh, kind of east. Dave Gibbs is an incredible musician, and he was in a band called the Gigolo Ants. So I think had a song on the That Thing You Do soundtrack. Mm, yes. And he also, um, uh, Dave was the music director for Rock of Ages. So Dave is the guy that I wrote all of those Sniper songs with. That's like right, all those made videos. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Dave yeah, yeah. is, uh, he's an incredibly talented guy. Yeah. Good guy. And his, his wife, by the way, is been on every show and every commercial and every ever. commercial yeah. yeah if you turn on a commercial Jillian she's Bigman. there yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. amazing yeah. but uh we're in your home studio now which is really it's really comfortable in here like yes. i just want to i just want to hang out and record stuff. <laughs> yeah. which i guess is what we're you, doing yeah, we, exactly exactly <laughs> well your dream has been realized because we're recording <laughs> stuff right now do people know how far down the nerd hole it goes for you or have you kept it no no i i am i i'm full nerd disclosure but okay. if you'd like if we'd like to go through that resume i'd be happy i to, just uh, heard a story that when you first started uh when you first started dating your uh wife that yes. of course then girlfriend at the time yeah that you <laughs> you let her think that on like that some night you were going to a strip club when in fact you were actually going to play D and D. That's not a true story. I wish that were a I true story. I thought Gibbs told yeah, me that. Yeah, he yeah, was yeah. like, "Yeah, he used to play so much and he lied to us because he didn't want her to." <laughs> no, she's yeah. My wife is for better or worse much cooler than I am, and but she's come to sort of appreciate some of the geekitude, and you know she looked forward to the first. We had to do like a a a. I, I lured her in with Lord of the Rings, the the books, and sure. she didn't want to read. You know, like we we start. I thought we're going to start on the Hobbit, honey, because that's like a, a good entry drug. That's a good entry drug. And, and we like, and we're going to read it out loud together. And we'd read like a page and a half, and she'd fall asleep. And she's like, okay, so let me understand. There's like tots. No, they're hobbits. They're not tots. So, so 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 finally, after after you know, we 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 suffered through the Hobbit, and then we made our way into Lord of the Rings. She reached a tipping point where at, at one point later she's like, no, 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 we have to keep. Reading. We have oh, to keep reading. Good. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think I think Led Zeppelin is a good gateway into Tolkien. <laughs> yeah. Or it's like just the listen nerd to the, snare. Yeah, listen yeah, to the immigrant yeah. song. Yeah. Don't you want to hear more about this battle? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, Gollum and the evil ones stepped up and slipped away yeah, with yeah. her. Where does that Where come does that from? from? Where does that come from? I can from? source <laughs> that. I can source that material. Uh, that's awesome. That's so do you st- do you have did you you played D for a while though? Uh, yes, I was a I was a full on dungeon master in Libertyville, Illinois, and I had the books and I had I spent spent an 
in like much of my youth developing we didn't use like the modules you know so right. i i wanted it all to be from scratch because my scenarios of course integrated my social justice agenda of course with my dungeons and <laughs> with, with my desire for fantasy orc slaying <laughs> <laughs> and, and so it was always the king was always the bad we're guy gonna and, slay orcs but i want everyone to understand that they are equal yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> they're exactly. the working the orcs, class yeah, yes exactly they're gonna, they're gonna team with the vassals from, uh, <laughs> so you were a dm which is a whole different oh yeah it's a different shade of D&D player. I don't like, I never liked DMing myself oh, really? because yeah. I hated, I just wanted to play. You, like, yeah, yeah, I didn't yeah. want to have to build a little fort. Oh, the and then, building like, was, well, I, when, I never did like the, it was all, there was never any sort of construction and we never oh, painted figurines. It was gotcha. all kind of like mental, but uh, but then this one, and then it, and, it, and it spun off into the, 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 the D&D sort of suburbs mm -hmm. you know the villains and vigilantes did you ever get into that which is like the superhero version i never played called crime fighters which is like the 20s gangster i played that yeah, and i played yeah. boot hill which was the western right, one i never did boot hill but then there was uh, one that i uh, what was the way it was the it was a post-apocalyptic radiation world gamma world okay gamma world? I, I i heard a gamma world yeah yeah that was another I never one played that it. we spent countless hours doing I mean, so <laughs> misspent you <laughs> and the thing is like i did it with it like now i, I have the feeling that 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 people who maybe engage in magic, I don't know what the latest thing is, magic, whatever the kids play now, is that they realize that it's a geeky endeavor and that because they're playing it, they won't get dates. I did it with complete innocence. Right. I thought this is just a thing that I love and it's fun to do, and the fact that I'm not getting dates must be wholly unrelated. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I better get into music. To these, to these endeavors, yeah. Well, when we, do, when we do these shows, there's a lot of kids will ask us, like, oh, when did you know you were, like, a nerdy guy? And like, and I always yeah. I always tell them, it's like, I was like, I didn't think, I thought everything I was doing was awesome. Yeah, like, yeah. I never too, once yeah. was embarrassed about it. It really was around the time that I met my girlfriend who became my wife. She yeah. pointed out these things that like, that's, <laughs> like that's not okay or normal. And she has like a Tourette's. About, one day we were walking down Ventura Boulevard and there's a gaming shop there. Oh yeah, we, yeah. Yeah, we're gaming shop there. And the door is open and it's, you know, it's the middle of a beautiful afternoon. There's a bunch of like boys and grown men in there who yeah. we engaged in some sort of you know, there's a table out and some mm -hmm. sort of cards and whatnot. And she, you know, we're just having a discussion. Oh, and we just fixed your bike. How's this? She looks in there and like her eyes roll back and she just shouts, nerds. Oh, she, I'm like, whoa. I'm like, whoa. Whoa. And like, you know, for them, like a, like a pretty girl walks by. And it takes them down like 17 notches yeah. in their lives. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, what's wrong with you? I, you married one. Your girlfriend, your wife was in, is, so she's in the pie house and you were a tri-lamb. Is this, oh, yeah. is this what's happening? <laughs> she's like, exactly. <laughs> I aspired to try Lambda. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They wouldn't. Have, they wouldn't let me in there, man. <laughs> I didn't. I think I knew when I was growing up that it was. I knew that it was not a quote unquote cool thing to do because I could feel the coldness of being socially ostracized. But oh, yeah. but I didn't care oh, yeah, because yeah, yeah, I just yeah. wanted to do yeah. this. At stuff. least that's a choice. I just was bl 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 <laughs> blindly enjoying myself, yeah. thinking that this was. You know. Knights no. are cool. Knights and yeah. goblins are cool. <laughs> Can't wait to bring this to... up at a party I get invited to one day. Yeah. Oh, like a quarterback could slay a dragon? Yeah. I don't think so. <laughs> that guy wouldn't last fucking five minutes. Yeah. Part of it for me, I was an only child. I am an only child. Yeah, so, so that there was no kind of sibling, you know, berating on either, I know, on either end of the scale. So. I can tell you when I did lose self-awareness, though, when I was in college, I was into juggling, and I thought everyone would think that was really cool. Yeah, juggling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They did not. I worked my way through college. Working at the Renaissance Fair. No, fuck it. But, and but by the way, you say college with juggling, a capital I'll C. I'll juggle. Put it, give me. I'll juggle all this shit on the table right here, right now. Let's let's, let's, let's go back. Let's go back for a minute because because you you're 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 
everything about you is so interesting to me. I, first of all, I don't know if I could name many Irish, Italian, Kenyans in the world. That's correct, yeah. And then you grew up in Illinois, and then you went to Harvard. So yeah, when you say college, you worked your way through Harvard that's at, at working for at the, the Renaissance, Renaissance Fair. That's correct. At, <laughs> yeah, the Bristol Renaissance Fair in Wisconsin, the King Richard's Fair. And I began for five summers. That was my gig. And I started out as an unpaid apprentice because it allowed me to live in the Lord of the Rings world, which when I finished the books, I felt a great loss because oh. I have nowhere, no yeah. more adventures. Yeah, there's yeah. no more mountains. A lot of crazy mead parties yeah. happening. <laughs> uh, it really was. There was, a, there was a somewhat of a suspension of disbelief, and that's because it's a beautiful, like the the Renaissance Fair here in Southern California is kind of a desert with yeah. jousting occurring right. in it. And yeah, it's near the uh, yeah, it's just like in the rocky yeah, like yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, it's, aqueduct this, or this something. Really felt like you were in you know sort of a Sherwood. So you were an apprentice. Did you now? When does guitar come in? Were you a lute player? Well, and later on, I became like I was you know sort of playing little Renaissance, playing and writing Renaissance jams, yeah. and you know sort of courting the the. Girls from Kenosha, Wisconsin. <laughs> Kenosha! Oh my God, the Cheese Castle! I've been to you know, the Cheese Castle. And I was an aspiring actor at the time as well. So all of that, you know, I was I spent five summers in tights, working, you know, traipsing about the Wisconsin Singing wilderness, around the family yes. eh? with a yeah, pocket right. full of shells. <laughs> Would ye like another glass of molten metal? <laughs> <laughs> That's fucking awesome. I went, do you have any video of this? Yeah. Is there no, this is footage? a pre. I mean, for better or worse, this. This is in a pre. This is like they were barely cave paintings. At okay, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Would the lady yeah. like to accompany me to Danzig tonight? <laughs> <laughs> it was a place where you could check because I grew up in a very conservative small town, an all-white conservative small town. So I went to the Renaissance Fair where it's kind of like hippie free love times. Yeah. Like there's a greater sort of accept, and everyone there is Dungeons and Dragons, you know, you know yeah. has that in the, on their resume. So it was, felt like sort of a more oh, good. welcoming community. Yeah. Because I wonder if, you know, for, for a guy like you that is 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 so you, is culturally unique, as well as the stuff that you were into might have put you in a weird category in a, in a totally conservative yeah. Illinois yeah. town. Yeah. Did you ever yeah. feel identity crisis or did you sort of like, were you like, no, this is just who I am and what I'm into? It's, it's only it? upon reflection that I felt that it was like how sort of singular that existence was. Like I thought that everyone in Libertyville had pictures of, you know, Che Guevara and Kwame Nkrumah on their walls. <laughs> 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 you know, not, turns out not the case. Sure, it turned out that it was not the case, you know, and that, you know, and then my, my sort of predilection for, I was I, I like sports, but I also liked punk rock music and I liked heavy metal and I liked Dungeons and Dragons and, you know, I, I, I my, my, click there was the drama club kids not high on the you know on the, the social ladder but kids that were smart sure. were creative and you know had a, I had a pretty great time you know when there was um, you know aside from some of the dramatic racist issues that occurred during my youth but, really uh, yeah like oh. the noose in the garage day that was a bad holy who the shit. fuck would do that the clan are you what? serious? Yeah, yeah. In, that's what they do. That's one of the. They got they that far north. Yeah, the deep north, man. That's uh, yeah. I saw more than one noose as a kid growing up. Oh Jesus! Yeah, yeah. My mom, who was a uh, uh, history teacher at the same high school that I attended, would occasionally have like clan literature like posted uh, like on her. Like kids would come in and put it up, or they'd tie her. What you know, like the little screen thing and a noose. It was like it's crazy. I mean, Jeez. it was a, it's, it's, in some ways it's a very idyllic, bucolic suburban community where you ride your bike around. It's cool, and then it's also really horrible at the yeah. same. Well, who? Same I mean, time. to a kid, I just don't. I don't even. I, but on a but from a certain point of view, is there any part of you that weirdly 
appreciates that you had that experience because now you're you you are so socially active yeah. that maybe did that did that yeah. make well, you that go was, hey I mean, that was of- that was no 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 I mean I was just a purely it was one of 13 years old it was a purely terrifying I, I mean I went to bed scared to death for months years afterwards you know because like, somebody's Christ. in the driveway with a r- rope that they're going to go in open your garage door and make a new and then go, like that was just so and yeah. you were you were uh, you was it uh was your mom a single mom yeah, right single mom, so it was just mom. the two yeah, of just you two of us yeah just Jesus two of us. Christ. Yeah, yeah, yeah. so anyway, that's that's the other side of the but um yeah i mean m- much of my people will often ask like where you know how what was your political awakening you know like what books did you i'm like i was the only black kid in all white town that gets political in kindergarten right <laughs> right right you go out on the go out on the playground the first time with an afro and politics comes to you <laughs> you don't got to go finding it <laughs> like you're just i'm right i just parachuted in the middle of mississippi burning you know oh, it's like it's god crazy and uh, so uh, uh what were some of your early like you know when you're you grow because we're close to the same age, yeah, yeah. and it's not like well I can just go to the internet and go right. you know find groups. Right. So what was it? Right. How did you how did you explore you know social activism? And how did yeah. you how did you? I had a click of I mean well the, the politics in my home as I said were very very different than the community I lived in and that I sort of mistakenly assumed that everyone had this a very progressive worldview like my mom did. My mom remains the most I'm the second most radical member of the Morello family to this okay. day. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she, will, she, will, she will say shit at the dinner table like oh my gosh I, I not even I agree with that. <laughs> <laughs> Take it down a notch. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Mom. Um, Take it down a notch, and I'm in rage against yeah, the machine. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and uh, uh, but it, there, I had a uh, there were a group of kids in in my sort of drama club kingdom who were you know who ran an underground newspaper who had a very you know like we were very full of ourselves as 16 to 17 year olds year olds and we're very confident we knew more than the teachers who were teaching us about politics and history and you know and, and we were. We fed off one another's energy in that way, and that we were going to head out beyond Libertyville to change. And was the world. that was that punk rock that got you guys? Into? It was in part. It was like the Clash was a big deal for yeah. us, you know. But the Clash kind of the Clash kind of uh, uh, helped us help legitimize what we were thinking and doing. You know, yeah. in a way, it was like someone somewhere outside of our community like felt the same way. We're not just this island in the middle of you know of yeah. cultural you know. Yeah, yeah, I felt the same way. Where it's like I started feeling like kind of discontent in the classroom and what I was being taught, and yeah. then you know finding out if, when you go to like you know we listen to punk rock or get, start getting like you know uh, like zines and stuff like that yeah. that are telling you like oh and there's you you realize there's something more and it kind of makes right. you go oh this is kind of I'm gonna learn the history and the math and the science yeah. but like everything else kind of the, is bullshit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They, uh, the the school newspaper was a, was a, a very big deal because I worked on the paper along with some of my other friends and they you know we had interests and designs in writing about stuff beyond the school like the school newspapers always you know didn't the football team give it their all this year and sure right. it was well attended you know like that's like the most controversial <laughs> editorial was it well attended or was uh, it super well attended those right. were the two positions uh, and <laughs> you know when we wanted to write about apartheid and the you know sort of the contra death squads in Central America and the fact that the dean was a dick right. those were things that you could not do in the official channels and so there was a massive a very exciting walkout and then a school paper that eventually had you know a greater circulation than the regular one that was like a learning experience so you too. were able to sort to sort of grow yeah 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 yeah, yeah. And we were like the, the school tried to set you know it was it was a, it was very like there's 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 a feeling of kind of uh, political impotence when you grow up in the suburbs like how would you like you read a history something that occurs in books not mm-hmm. something that you are could be a part of sure and from a very 16 to 17 with this newspaper thing the school said you may not distribute this on campus and we said well there's we 
taught them a lesson that there's a thing called the First Amendment. We involved the ACLU, who told the Libertyville Public High School, yes, they can distribute it on campus. And so from, you know, as teenagers, it was kind of, fuck wow. you, I won't do what you tell me, and sticking it to the man. That's great. And, uh, you know. That's really interesting, though, because I don't think... Uh, I mean, maybe now, because, you know, the internet can be such a, a support structure for people. Yeah. But at that time, to decide to just do that, and you're like, yeah. no, like, I feel like most kids would have gone, well, the grown-ups say I can't do this. Right, so I right, right. Yeah, we, didn't, we had a strong anti-authoritarian streak from a very early age. And how funny is it that, you know, in history class, they're teaching <clears> you that the founding fathers basically said... Hey, you know, we're not going to be oppressed anymore by yeah. what you're telling us. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was fine for them. <laughs> yeah. But you guys said the dean is a dick. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> sit down and shut so the, the fuck the up. Buck stops. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're not a founding father. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I could yeah, be. Yeah, yeah. And then we would return from these, you know, these very sort of militant newspaper rallies, and and we're sticking to, and we would go g- g- get our twenty sided dice out and, like, <laughs> <laughs> and return to the comforts, to the numbing oh, comforts. I love that blowing off steam, <laughs> blowing off steam with D and D. But I think. I I think that was sort of, you know, I think the, the, the earlier point that I was kind of hedging out a little bit with, you know, what people hanging nooses in your garage mm-hmm. or, or coming up against the dean is that mm-hmm. not that those are good experiences, but that the resistance does yeah. create, a, there there is like a Newtonian thing that happens. Yeah, yeah, that there's an yeah. equal and opposite reaction, yeah. which... <clears throat> Ultimately, I think is for the greater good. Yeah, you, yeah, you know, you came up against a dickhead dean, and then you made this paper right, that was right, more politically yeah. aware. You can never do anything great in the world unless you have a chip on your shoulder. <laughs> I guess that's true. You can't. You can't. I guess you that's can't. true because if you're it's just the, if you're happy and content all the yeah, time, whether why would it's you... like a you know a father figure issue or whether it's you have to have that chip. In order <laughs> I mean, if everyone in Libertyville when you were growing up was really cool and open minded, <laughs> and you know, and and, yeah. and you'd probably you'd be like, still be this there. is great. Why would this need to change? Exactly. I, I would now be running the gaming shop there. Yeah. <laughs> Which what? does exist. It's but it's funny. Like now it's like it is Revenge of the Nerds because in a block and a half from where my mom lived, there was there is now a gaming shop where you yeah. that's great. So, Welcome to Morello's free yeah. pen of coke and if you buy an action figure. <laughs> <laughs> I walk in there now, I'm like, what up? We won high fives everybody. We won. Yeah. We won. <laughs> Have you ever thought about doing that at some point? Just like I just want to open like a hobby shop or just open like a thing, you know, just like That'd be a cool, so funny man. Though I'm though in a while I do have uh, in my my geek passport is well stamped. Like it is like when I go to the comic cons and stuff. Like I, there's a lot that I don't know about, and you know you and, can't know everything. There's just it's too crazy. Much. Like it's there's all so much you know beyond yeah. Star Trek. I mean they're they're pop culture cons now. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, you yeah. you specifically. Were, is it you were doing Orchid for Dark Horse? Right? That's correct. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. We're so, still in it. We're still on. Um, I'm writing issue 12 after you guys leave later today. Because <laughs> I'm behind. Because I'm always behind. Where do you? Where? Where? How here. You, this is my. This is my office. This is it. How, how? How do you? How do you manage your time between music, family, yeah, you know, comics? Yeah. It is. Uh, yeah. I have. I have two children, a three-year-old and a 19-month-old. So it's pretty. That I. I. I consider my number one job to be present in their lives so sure. i don't tour like i did before i mean the longest i've been away since my first son was born is three months because i just don't like to Oof. be away and it's just it's too crazy to be away you, s- you say that like it's a short amount of time but i guess oh, considering co- what you used to, to i mean i used to be i used to be home three weeks of the year yeah you know and that's and now it's completely flipped. and then to like get back from that and try to be like emotionally available oh for your yeah family and they look i mean if you do it they look different and they have a different vocabulary it's like it's just it's not like my Father was not present all of my life, so I like make a very concerted effort to be in theirs every day. So, yeah. so anyway, so it's it's part rock and it's part babe, you know, going to 
baby music class, you know, <laughs> with, with a bunch of milfs, you know, yeah. and then it's, and then it's uh, just and you and Flea, huh? It's, and it's uh, you know, retreating to here to write the comic and. Uh, do you, you ever, are, crazy. are you watching any of that kid music being like, oh, if you just went to a diminished core, like you're trying yeah. to do, no, no, no. If you could just. I like a, the problem, it's not, it's not really a problem, but, but the but the music teachers are aware of my resume, and so sure. sometimes they're like, you know, show, you know, auditioning a little oh, bit. Oh, sure, yeah. sure, sure, yeah. sure. Yeah. Well, that's like, there's the uh, the Silver Lake Conservatory of Music. It's uh, Sunset Junction, and like it's like all like these like, like kind of uh, aging hipster guys oh, that are all yeah, the teachers yeah. there, and like I think Flea is one of That's the guys it, right, that right, yeah. who does the fun. But it's funny because you just see the parents waiting for their kids, and it's just like like oh, you're just a bunch of old hipsters. Right, <laughs> so, right, right, so. right, right. Have you ever seen? Um, did you see when Greg Barrett was doing Black Rattle? No, no, no. Do you know Greg? Yeah, of course. Very Greg, well. of course, yeah. <clears throat> Greg Barrett did this uh, Black Rattle, which was basically like metal kid songs. So yeah. they would take like, oh, that's fun. Where is Thumpkin? Where <laughs> is Thumpkin? Here I am. Here I am. Black Rattle. Black Rattle. I, that's got to be available online somewhere. But it, but it is kind of funny that you know you are sort of in this unique position where. Um, <clears throat> It's you. You probably just think like, oh, it's a teacher. He's a teacher. Yeah, like, yeah. oh no, he probably wants to. That's right. Yeah. Maybe he's he got wants a demo. To... Yeah. 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 He's got a. Yeah. I'm sure. And it's still he's on got... cassette. Yeah. Exactly. Sure. <laughs> single. He's got it. Sure. He's got it. Single. It's a little yeah. single sleeve. Yeah. But the, I mean, the thing with like Orchid, it was I. I was a big comic book fan as well. That was another huge part of my from you know five to seventeen. I was sure. com- collecting comic books, and then put it down. Like when I discovered guitar and and politics, the because of the escapist nature of Hulk. Fighting Thor just kind of went by the wayside. Sure. But then when I, I had this, <clears throat> this idea for the story Orchid, this was about four four years ago, and I didn't I, I didn't like approach it like I want to write a graphic novel or I want to write a comic. I was just like I just got a story and I have to figure out how to do it. And I didn't like I didn't have time to write a nine hundred page novel mm-hmm. in my life, and I didn't want to be a dude knocking on studio doors with a screenplay because that's not a great look. Right? You know, that's like, that doesn't feel like the right, right yeah. direction. Rage against a machine guy? Yeah. Well, that's the other problem is that you yeah. you come up against. Um, and I think, you know, and Rob Zombie had that a lot when he first started making films, which is what he really wanted to do. Right, right, right. Is that people compartmentalize you and they That's go, right. no, 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 you're just that guy. Yeah, you're exactly. Like, I'm not yeah. just that guy. Yeah. What are you talking about? Yes, I have feelings and ideas. And, and other than yeah. the animator, of, Rob Zombie. Of, visions of sword play. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which is the name of his next album. Visions of sword play. <laughs> and yes, so, um, yeah, so you, the, with the comic, though, is that is that another form of escapism for you? Is it just... Yeah, just, well, I mean, it's... I, it's I. I wanted to combine like my love of the things like Lord of the Rings and Star Wars and stuff like that, but with my worldview, you know, yeah. and that to have something that's going to be a thrilling fantasy narrative, but that's also going to have the, you know, like the, the politics of Battle of Algiers or something, you know, and uh, and so that's been it's been great. Like for me, it's like j- really jumping in the deep end because I was not a comic writer beforehand. Mm-hmm. I was a storyteller my whole life, you know, uh, and sort of kind of. Dark Horse has been very helpful in kind of helping me rein in, you know, make it's got to be twelve issues and they have to come out once a month. <laughs> <laughs> and I and I also one of the things that I do in my studio here is I score the comic as well. There's musical score with each issue oh, of the great. comic that you get for free. So it's like it's because I've done a lot of film scoring, so I've sort of took those chops and brought them into the world of the comic, and it's yeah. super fun to do. Yeah. So how do you uh, do? You have like a tone where it's like you'll have the music going and it'll be like boom. Turn the page. And then, uh, <laughs> okay, you turn the page. And, it's not quite that literal. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's we go for it's more vibe, man. Yeah. And, then, and at the end of the tw- it's a twelve issue cycle, and then at the end of that there'll be like a twelve song CD. Oh, cool. Companies into the musical score. That's great. How was piece, uh, yeah. how how was Harvard once you got to Harvard? How was Harvard? It was uh, well, I mean, I it was uh, challenging because I you know went to 
public school and I, I for whatever, however I was wired, public school was not a great challenge for me. Yeah. And Harvard was. Yes. You know, like Harvard was no joke, man. Like the, like I, I had this, it was my first night, I went to my first like political science class. I'm like, I'm at Harvard, man. I'm, I was the, not because of, not because of any genius on my part. I mean, it's very, very preface what I'm about to say. I was the first person from Libertyville to ever go to Harvard. No one else had ever applied. Doesn't sound <laughs> surprising no one, no one to me though, based applied. on what I've heard yeah, so far. No one else had ever, no one else had ever applied. So the new sky didn't apply to Harvard? <laughs> Weird. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so anyway, so, so I was like, I'm representing, you know, yeah. for, you know and I'm here and I'm going to, I've got the thing and I'm reading Thomas Paine's The Rights of Man on my first night there. And it feels like this is it, man. I'm on the way, you know, and it's eight o'clock and then it's, 3.30 in the morning and I'm about a fourth of the way through the book. I got two more books to read. Oh. I'm like, oh, I, oh shit. This is like, this is I'm, real. I'm not in Libertyville anymore, man. Real. Yeah, so wow. it was uh, it was challenging. But I but I enjoyed it great. I was very glad that I went. It's one of the things that, well, the education there was great. Friends I made there were great. The, the kind of the intellectual challenge was great. The thing that was, I think, most important was just leaving home. Yeah. Like getting that thousand mile perspective on where I'm from. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, I didn't know that I had a hayseed Midwestern accent till I went to Harvard, and, they, <laughs> and all those people who talk like, you know, "Hey, you talk weird." Exactly. What? exactly. It just gave me like a very different perspective on, and you know, I think that's crucial because you can you can always decide to go back, sure, but but you need to know somewhere else. And uh, that, you you, you are know, definitely you know to some degree, you know, we are reactive to our environments, mm -hmm. and it is important to. I never understood the value of traveling when I was really young. I'm like, what yeah. do I need to travel? What do I need to see? Yeah, yeah. And then you start traveling, you're like, oh, right. Oh, of course, other cultures, yeah, other exactly. ways of other yeah. being exposed to, you yeah. know, so that I can grow. Like, yeah. it, it's really important. Yeah, yeah. My mom, my mom, who had no budget as a public high school teacher as a kid, when I was a kid, uh, twice took us to Europe. And wow. just because she wanted to, you know, she wanted me to see, she had traveled the, the world as a, single woman in her from her like 20s to her 40s just yeah. like on steamers and whatnot and taught in china and germany places like that and that's how she eventually ended up in kenya where she met my dad but so she wanted me to just see the louvre and i just fought it and i squirmed and i'm like i don't want to i don't want to see the alps i want to read watership down you know yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the back of the car while well, beautiful scene. but in you know it really stuck with me those experiences and getting a different perspective on Illinois, you know, later on. And then as a, as a touring musician, it resonated so deeply later. A lot of, a lot of guys in, in guys and girls and bands who tour the world, you know, go from the gig to their hotel, to the party, to the next gig. Right. And yeah. they, you know, and I was, I ex had the paid vacation of a lifetime exploring the planet in part because of those seeds that were planted when I was a kid. What, uh, what are, what are some places that you, that you love that you would never have thought to go? Oh, geez. I mean, Reykjavik was one. I've always wanted to go to Reykjavik. Yeah, it's I, awesome. like, be, be careful. I guess it is Viking country up there. Right. It's a whole different, outside of the Reykjavik pizza hut, nothing will make sense. <laughs> 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 and the bill there is like a hundred dollars. It's uh, I, I was there in, um, is the first place that Rage Against the Machine had a number one record. And they get, at the time, I'm not sure if it's changed now, but they had get very few Western artists there. <clears throat> and so, like, they get two shows a year. And, you know, it's, one of them's Brian Adams. And they, uh... <laughs> and then there's a uh, hundred Bjork, Bjork shows. shows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then a Sugar Cubes reunion. Yeah, and we were... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then the, Dancer on the Dark Screens. <laughs> and at the time, we were, we were uh, you know, we were opening up in for 
for House of Pain and clubs here, you know, and like <laughs> really? living in a squat. Yeah, like it was, it was the band had no traction anywhere, but we were number one in Iceland. So like, we got to go there, man. So we go there, we get off the plane, and there's media, you know, like media, and and we're looking like, is Nelson Mandela on this flight or something? <laughs> <laughs> like, but no, it's just because Rage Against the Machine is here. We're like, all right, that's trippy, and the show is is every age bracket and like everyone in Reykjavik came to the show, you know, and, wow. and then we went. It was I don't know. This is a, it's a slightly off-color story, but like, we, we had no experience with fans other than male fans up sure. until that point. It's, it's sure. Rage Against the Machine, yeah. it's dudes, all dudes, all that. So we, <clears throat> and we, we the, our security guard, we never had a security guard before, was literally the strongest man in the world. Like if you watch ESPN2, oh, he's the, guy, the, the, the guy pulling the train with his teeth, who was number one, Jans Johansson, whatever his name was, was our guy. Wow. <laughs> so our, the strongest man in the world was protecting us. We're like, why do we need it? Why? That's weird. So we go to the after party for the show. You know, it's like 24 hours a day there, so the after party starts at like two, and we're in a room with a band. I forget what their the 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 the, the, it, the English translation of their Viking name was Jet Black Stool. Okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so it's already pretty surreal. We've got like yeah. the strongest man in the world guarding the door, partying with Jet Black Stool, <laughs> which I warn you can happen if you take Pepto Bismol and yeah. you're not prepared for yeah. that to happen. That's very true. And I'm like, dude, I've you know I see the guys in my band all the time at Jet Black Stool. I mean, God bless them, but I don't. Need to spend another minute with sure, him now. Sure. I'm going to go out and see what happens. And, and the strongest man in the world goes, Glurnda, Sklurnda, Flurnda, Hernda. I'm like, I don't know, bro. I don't know what that is. And he sort of puts a hand in my chest, like, like, don't go. And I'm like, but we're here to see Iceland. And, stuff. and he's like, Glurnda, Sklurnda, Flurnda, Hernda. I'm like, all right, bro. Whatever. They didn't is. listen to me. I, I told I them to learn to hernda. I walk out the door and it is, it's really like a saloon scene from a Western porn. <laughs> like, like, like there's fist fights going on. I'm out the door about four steps when a comely Viking lass grabs my machine, rage against, rages against my machine. <laughs> uh, you can make and that I, run, I run back in the room and I go, dudes, learn to learn to learn to learn to. Like that's what that means. Oh yeah, so Reykjavik. Don't, don't go the fuck wow. out. Yeah, exactly. That's- so they just fucking go off. During the summer months, because in the rest of the time they're in the dark drinking vodka and committing suicide. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah, yeah. I, I, the, the idea of the, the juxtaposition of you and House of Pain. Yeah. Where you guys are coming up with these like, so you know, socially aware. Yeah. Like there's a lot of history and dates. Yeah. And then, and then jump, around. jump around. Yeah. <laughs> and then jump around. It's, Life's that, rich pageant. That sounds yeah. like that sounds like getting up and and uh, reading uh, uh, Common Sense, uh, yeah. the, the book, yeah, the yeah, Common yeah. Sense, yeah. at a NASCAR event. Right, right. right. Like, felt, oh, before felt, the race, it I'd felt like much to, like that. Yes, it felt much would like. You, would you all like to hear the silence? Do good letters. <laughs> <laughs> but that must have been a, a, a common juxtaposition at your shows. Was just like you guys are very socially conscious and yeah. trying to spread this word, but these guys are here to punch people. Yeah, and that, I mean, and that's I mean, the the band Rage Against Machine cast the nets very wide in that regard. Because it is music you can certainly punch people to, you know, yeah, without yeah. without without the lyrical without the deep lyrical content. It's aggressive music, and so it went very over very well with them. House of Pain fans. Yeah, I guess that's true. It is. It's sort of that. It, it's 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 sort of the Simpsons thing where it's yeah, like there's yeah. a, there's a shiny part of it right, which one right, group of people right. can get, and then there's a oh if you really pay attention, yeah, yeah, you yeah. get these really dense nuggets of information right, as yeah. well. Yeah, yeah. And that becomes a thing. So it's hard to like like you know you got to remember not to blame 
the band uh, for their fans. Right. right. You know, for, just, for example, Paul Ryan, vice presidential, presidential candidate Paul Ryan, his favorite band is Rage Against the Machine. Oh, there you go. Yeah, and that's uh, So you guys must have contributed how many songs in the yeah. Romney <laughs> campaign? A lot of them, right? Uh, he, yeah. He, you know, but that's like, you know, he's a guy that fucking like works out to P90X and he needs something that's aggressive right. to pop <laughs> off. <laughs> he's not listening to the lyrics. That's he's right. just like, oh, this is a good fucking beat. Yeah, I, can, I am yoked, bro. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, I've yeah. you have, your band is the best for crunches. Yeah, that's right. It is a very good crunch band. It's a very good crunch band. <laughs> what is it, you know, with, with, with Rage, because I feel like there's so much that you guys are saying musically and, and you know, with, and, and politically, what is it that you want people to take away from from that? Because Night Watchmen, I feel like, is a little more... That's correct. It's a little more specific. That's correct. With your that's, specific That's correct. Yeah, it's, you're not, with the Night Watchmen stuff, there's less distraction of the huge beats and grooves right. and, and whatnot. Uh, you know, and, and the, the that's always been one of the, the, the challenges of the band Rage Against the Machine, which, you know, now tours at a very gentlemanly pace of about one show every two years. So it's not, it's not, it's not, it's not, it's not such an issue these days as, as it once was. But, um, you know, it was, I mean, different people in the band look at it differently. I always like the fact that the band cast the nets very wide and, yeah. that, and that I hear every day people who were turned onto a new set of ideas because they were drawn to it because of the rock, you know, yeah. and that's totally, and that's, that's, you know, if you're, I don't know, Fugazi or even the Night Watchman, like that's maybe not the case. People, it's, you're, tend to preach to the believers who are drawn to it. With Rage, people were drawn to it who liked, you know, from Twisted Sister to Bad Brains, you know, yeah. like that music. Yeah. And then there's a whole different, uh, you know, set of lyrics. So I, I never really had a, a litmus test unless you're going to run for vice president and try to stick, <laughs> and try to stick it to 99.9% .9 of Rage Against the Machine fans, uh, then I will have an opinion about that. I do remember that. I remember talking to a lot of guys that um, they, they cite Rage Against the Machine as the band that, like, helped them become a little more socially aware. But then also when they, you know, went behind it, and that, that's what got them into Fugazi. Sure. And they started, you know, that sure. that whole thing where, like, you know, uh, Greendale will come out and they'll be like, oh, look out records, and they'll they'll fall into <laughs> Operation right. Ivy and go. That's right. And that's Rage right. Against Machine was kind of that, sure. that, that, yeah. that spike yeah. that, yeah. like, you know, the smarter people followed down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I grew up in a place where there was no, indie, there was zero access to any indie anything. Like, I got all of my records at the mall at a place called Music Land at the yeah. mall, and that's where I got my Kiss records, and that's later where I got my Clash records. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, the, I've never subscribed to a, the, sometimes there's an elitism in the world of punk or political music that, you know, you have to be, you know, your fans have to have as cool haircuts as you do, you know? Yeah. And I was just like, no, I just, I want, and you you know, that you've, what you just said, it yeah. speaks to that. It's like, you can, you could get the Rage Against the Machine record at Musicland at the mall, but it opened doors to a lot of other stuff. Yeah, mm -hmm. I guess th there is a really interesting balance with, uh, I mean, do you feel like you're creating a relationship with your audience, or you know, because some people are like, "Fuck you, man! This is my message, and I don't give a shit who he, you know." Yeah, yeah, and then other yeah. people go, "Well, you know, if you wanna, if you if you wanna sort of take your very specific idea and make it palatable, like, yeah. do you think about th that way at all, or so, do you just make what you want to make?" I think, I think, I think, first and foremost, whether it's whether it's with Rage Against the Machine or the Night Watchman, or even Orchid the Comic Books, like the art has to be good, you know, like it's otherwise it yeah. it, it can't just be. You know, a Noam Chomsky lecture set to a beat. You know, it has <laughs> unless it's auto tuned. Yeah. Then you and can I'm do sure it. I'm sure that's yeah. out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, could, that probably that could, is out could there. Could very well be. But um, you know, first and foremost, like it has to be. Like I, I didn't really choose to play guitar. That kind of chose me and felt like a calling. So given that 
straight jacket of vocation than yeah. to sort of, sort of find a way to make great guitar music that also expresses the worldview. And then you let the chips fall where they may. Like, I was in a band before Rage Against the Machine called Lockup that had much greater commercial aspiration. Like, it was a band that wanted to be signed and a band that wanted to have videos and whatnot. <clears throat> and, you know, and every sort of record company dicking cliche imaginable happened to that band. And I was done. I was like, I wasn't going to, I was going to be a musician, but I, I missed my chance at the brass ring. Mm-hmm. And that's when Rage Against the Machine formed, in part because, like, my new way of looking at the world was, I'm just going to play music I love. Yeah. I'm just going to, you know. And there was no, at the time, let me tell you, in 1991, when that band formed, there were no multi-ethnic neo-Marxist rock rap bands on K-Rock. <laughs> so it wasn't exactly a formula for success. Yeah. Like, here's the, let's put together the thing that's going to Living Color to didn't really. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> Living Color kicked down some doors, but not. All those, not all those doors. Do you, yeah. What was like your guys's like uh, scene? Like when you got together, were you just playing like house shows and like? Well, small we, we got together. We were we came out of the womb pretty well formed. Like the we wrote and did a demo tape which had a, the majority of the songs on the first first record on it before we played our, our show. Oh know? wow! Yeah, and so the idea was that we were going to sort of get. So the idea was to sort of make a record or a cassette that was just going to be the proud work that we did. You know. Yeah. Um, and then we we didn't honestly we there was there was no there wasn't even a deluded belief that we'd be able to book club shows because there were not clubs that booked rap there were not rock clubs that booked rappers you know and yeah. there were there just was no place for it and so we started out the first time we ever performed in public or in front of anyone was a house party in Huntington Beach because Tim and Zach <laughs> were part of like sort of the punk rock the revelation record yeah yeah yeah, yeah 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 and 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 so the parents were away and we played we had five songs and the first song we ever played in front of people was a song called take the power back and <laughs> you know and I had been in bands that people liked the bands people didn't like the band and from when the beat dropped in take the power back there was a huge pit in the living room like within 10 seconds of the music Beginning, and I thought, well, oh, wow. this might be a different situation. <laughs> you, can feel it. you can feel it right away. Yeah, it was like it was people went ape shit from day one for that band. Do it you think? Crazy. Do you think that's the key? Because you know, in, in any in any artistic endeavor, whether it's comedy or writing or painting or music, yeah. whatever, you know, the the important thing is to sort of. Fig- it's that moment where you figure out your voice, or you start to feel like, yeah. "Oh fuck, I think this is who I am." Yeah, it's yeah, really, yeah. Really, really cool. Is that you know? It, it, do you think that that what has to happen is it's like your experience of I tried the traditional route. Yeah, that didn't work, and it forced me to look inward. That's correct. Yeah, I think so. I mean, and, and different. I mean, I don't know that the biggest hits from the biggest songs in the world from Rihanna or Taylor Swift subscribe to that. But certainly in the, the art that I'm <laughs> most drawn to, it seems to be it's honest. You know, and that's the thing was I sort of divorced. And really, and since then, I've followed that. Like whether it's with Rage Against Machine Records, who would sell 10 million copies, or Night Watching Records, that would sell a thousand copies, yeah. or the comic book. It's like I just do stuff that feels real to me, and that's. And then you'd let the chips fall where they may. I yeah. think that's what initially drew people to Rage. It was just like, oh my gosh, it's like it's so great. Like how, how dare they? <laughs> how, how, how are the well? Yeah, and especially when you look at when you look at what you guys were doing, it seems like there's this consistent pattern of you sort of being out of place in a situation yeah but yeah, that's then correct. kind of redefining what that means yeah yeah and making it okay yeah yeah i mean i was the only black kid in all white town i was the only anarchist in a conservative high school i was the only person who was committed to a career in rock and roll at harvard university <laughs> <laughs> and i was the only harvard dude in a rock band you know like trying you know yeah so it's uh 
you know, and then it just like it's my my first solo album was named One Man Revolution for a reason, you know. <laughs> <laughs> do you feel that? Uh, how, how do you feel the education system is now for people? I mean, like be, those are such disparate. Going from public school yeah, yeah, to an institution yeah. like Harvard, obviously, you said it was it was academically it was more challenging than you thought right. it would, but you know. It, is that this is sort of the state now? Is it that people are not prepared? Do do we even need to go to college anymore? Yeah, though? I don't know. I mean, it, well, it's, I've as my children are now entering the the California education system, it's pretty crazy. And like the school, the public school that I went to is better outfitted than the best private school in Los Angeles. You know, I mean, just like because, I don't know whether it's because the suburbs have more money, but like when I look at LA Unified, it's it's brutal. It's like, you know, they don't have PE, they don't have art, they don't have music, they don't have hot lunch. It's like the disadvantage that kids are at going to public school. It's like, it's pretty crazy. I, I was committed that my kids are going to public school until I looked at the public school. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, like, oh my gosh. You know, yeah. they don't, oh, you don't have books for right. just second graders. Oh. Like, it's, it's really... It's I don't really want to send yeah. my kids to a SUNY private school, but I want them to learn stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> may well, they the, have books? Like, may yeah. they, they have books? books? Can you feed them? May they have books? Yeah, yeah. Once yeah. a day, just let them yeah. run around yeah, and, that, and that's a matter. I mean, that speaks to like a core of war, a, lot, a lot of my work. It's like the, the grotesque misappropriation of resources and the, pri- the the skewed priorities of what our society There's is. a proposition out in California for that right now, isn't there? Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and while, while propositions can sort of tweak the system, the for me, the bigger picture is the people that own and control the country and the world don't deserve to. And right. they do it in their own interest and not in the interest of the betterment of the planet. Yeah. And so that's, you know, that's what my songs, that's what my guitar solos, that's what my comic books tend to be about. But at this point, do you feel, well, first of all, I want to say two things. Number one, I hate propositions because they're always worded in a way where you're like, super wait, sneaky. am I for yeah. this yeah, thing or sneaky. against this yeah, thing? Well, the way they word it, it seems like both. Each it is both. Like, yeah. Wait, I don't know. I, you know, Because yeah. if, heaven forbid, the, uh, a, a, a good proposition to do good in the world came on the ballot, then there'd be six corporate sponsored propositions similarly worded yeah. that did the opposite. Yeah. <laughs> In yeah. order to to obfuscate the you know what's really oh going that's on. interesting yeah. that reminds me of something that I read about you and then I want to ask you a question about big government as a whole but the uh, that you worked for a senator for a while that's right. That's right. and uh, you you said a woman called in and she was complaining about Mexicans moving into her neighborhood that's and correct. you called her a racist and then you got in trouble and you're like I don't want to work somewhere where I can't call a racist that's, a racist. that's correct yeah, that was, yeah. <laughs> I, I was a, I was a scheduling secretary for space, U.S. Space. U.S. Senator uh, Alan Cranston for two years and it was an eye opener it was it wasn't that I was trying to go into the world of electoral politics it was a day it was a job that my heart on my work resume i had the renaissance fair on my, on, on my educational resume, I had Harvard. Yeah, so, like I, I, when I moved, I couldn't get hired selling heavy Iron Maiden T-shirts on Hollywood Boulevard. Like I didn't have that. I could juggle. Like if you need someone yeah. to juggle Special T-shirts, skills are business yeah. and sword making. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's actually that's a job you can get on Hollywood that's Boulevard. Great, that's yeah. great. Do you need someone to fence? I can do that. <laughs> I can, I can do go that. in <laughs> the courts. You fence yeah. the courts yeah, exactly. now, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh no, yeah. no. So anyway, that's what got me the got me placed at uh, at, the, at the center's office. But it was very eye opening. Like sort of while while Alan Cranston is several degrees more progressive than President Obama, it just taught me like it's just it's not for me. It's like it's so compromised. I mean, the senator, God rest his soul, was like a really good dude. He spent all his time asking rich guys for money. 
Yeah. All this yeah. time. And none of that money comes for free. But the the icing on the cake was what you mentioned was like oh, this lady calls up and she's her 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 message to the senator and she wants something done about it is there's Mexicans moving into her neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And I like I listened to her and I said, Ma'am, you're a racist and you can go to hell. And I'm thinking, <laughs> I have high five, Senator. High five. <laughs> I, I did, did. I represented you the do day. not talk to the constituents that way. It's exactly. almost like the like I got a, yelled at for two weeks by like everybody up and down the ladder and I thought, Well, this may not be the place. Politicians are basically like Mike Judge's character in office space. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's maybe not the place for me. It's maybe. a bummer, and but, but I wonder, you know, I wonder with big government, and, and I, 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 is it even possible anymore because there are so many people, so many corporations, so many interests, so many different sides trying to vie for their little piece? Yeah. Is it even possible to run a country this big yeah. anymore? I don't know. Well, I mean, the not if, I mean, I think that both, I mean, clearly from my personal experience with the progressive senator just going for the big money and the you know the republican side that's what they that they thrive on it's just it's the deck is stacked and it's like like i said the people that run the people that run the country don't deserve to and whether it's a democrat or republican in office while there are important shades of difference which can mean life or death to people with regards to foreign policy and uh and the lights on or off with regards to poor people here in, in the country that that both sides are beholden to the same ruling class interest that's my view and that's why i've always my why my efforts have always been aimed at not getting the right person in office it's getting the right critical mass from below to really make substantive change because all i mean any anything in my view any good radical progressive changes happen in this country has come from below like whether it's lunch counters being desegregated women getting the right to vote if you look around like the berlin wall falling apartheid ending all those things happen because of people just regular people fought for that. And then eventually the powers that be had to come around. Yeah. I mean, I, I just I don't know. Even if you had, you know, whoever the ideal candidate would be yeah. like, this is the perfect candidate. You put them into the structure right. of politics. I don't I still don't know if they're going to be able That's to right. do. I think That's they right. would get there and be like, oh, fuck, I can't get anything done. Cause yeah, there's yeah, too yeah, many sides exactly. opposing yeah. everything. You even see that with the um, any GOP candidate, uh, like, you know, when they start. Like they seem like when there's like the like the broad you know candidates for the Republican mm. spot like you know they they seem all right and then like but if they become the guy then they com- like John McCain like becomes a completely different guy yeah, when he's yeah, running yeah. for office yeah. he was like I remember seeing him on like the Daily Show I'd sure. be like man for a Republican seem reasonable like a yeah. reasonable guy, a guy that if he was sitting in the room with you like well I may disagree with some of that but you seem like yeah you're like, a good dude you're yeah. smart and you're you can make me laugh because he's a funny yeah, guy too yeah, yeah. and then like it happened both times when he when he saw yeah. when he saw it in sight he just became this like oh this is am i precious you know I it just it became <laughs> I, I, and I, that's what i think the gp does and then they're like they just go well, right now you're this guy this is what you are and yeah. you want it right and they're dating you i think that's just i think that's just big politics in general i'm not i don't really i don't like the idea of partisanship i don't like mm-hmm. it because i feel like well, I want to be able to, you know, like I want to be able to make my own thing that yeah. serves everyone right. the best. And, you know, some of that side is great, but then those parts aren't good. And some of that exactly. side, like, yeah. why do you have to pick a side? Right, like, right, why yeah. can't we? Right, right. I mean, I mean and it's, it's something that's unique to the United States and other countries where they have multiple political parties where you actually get to vote for someone who really thinks like you do. And then you get sort of proportionate representation and then they all figure it out together. Whereas, like, I'm just, oh. It's you know it's not the the lesser of two evils it's the evil of two lessers is what we're <laughs> oh 
Well played. Well played. I didn't just make that up. Full disclosure. Full disclosure. Do you think it's more important to like start locally though when it comes to politics? Is that the the difference? Like in your in like one's own lifetime and what they're able to change? Is it the? Yeah. I mean, I mean, I think that first you have to realize. You're sort of going back to like the high school newspaper thing is that history is not something that happened. History is something that you make, whether with your indifference and passivity and you stand on the sidelines and you let other people do it who have the the will to do it or you engage and you have real like what all my stuff is about is that you have your hands on the wheel of history. You know, and that history is about people like the people listening to your show who stand up in their place and time to make the world different than it is. Or they sit back and they let somebody else do it and then they can't complain. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I always, it's, it's, especially lately, I feel like even saying the word politics, like you could just see the, the hairs on people's necks yeah, stand yeah, up yeah, like, yeah, 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 I feel yeah, like yeah. we spend so much time trying to tell other people why they're wrong yeah, yeah. rather than let's, let's just try to fix things, you yeah, know, yeah. like, <laughs> like, you know, it's even the couple times that, cause we never really talk about politics on the show. I don't really like talking about it cause I just feel yeah. like it divides people in ways that you don't intend. And then they just get mad and they make it all about that. Right. 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 And that's right. not, and no one's going to agree. Like yeah. biologically we're designed to argue our own points, whether or not it's true is irrelevant. Yeah, yeah, we yeah, just, yeah, yeah. we just have to convince people that what we're saying right, is right. Right, right. Right. And I hate getting into that yeah. shit, but, um, but I do feel like you know, it's just one of those topics that you just, you just, people just, why, why can we not just sit down and go, let's just talk about but it. Yeah. You're smart. You're smart. Yeah, yeah. We don't have to attack each other. Why can't we fix the problem instead of trying to rip it's, each other's? It's that off? feeling where like, you know, like that initial feeling when you're like first interacting with someone that doesn't speak any English and you don't speak any of their language and they're trying to like ask you directions you're like you're so dumb it's the fucking <laughs> you take a right you take a right I don't you're care so if you're a doctor in your own country yeah, you don't exactly. know how to get to that store this idiot doesn't know where the CVS is yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah I, I don't I, I don't know I don't know what it is it just it, but the whole idea of it just you know I don't know. I, I feel like people want to be mad now more than they want to solve problems. Yeah. If I only they would work it out like they do on Star Trek The Next Generation. I mean, really? seriously. Yeah. Well, yeah. the United yeah. Federation of Planets at that point. See, this is where Matt Myra, yeah. one of the other guys, the other guy on the show, Matt Myra, is a huge Next Generation fan, and he's also a huge guitar nerd. Mm. Um, so he my, actually, kind of, my kind of guy. I wish yeah. he had been he, sum, he submitted a list of yeah. questions. For well, well, he's he's him, bummed out that he couldn't make well, it. Well, Matt, Matt's... Matt's uh, Matt's working on the Attack of the Show on uh, G4, yeah, yeah, yeah. and Attack. It's sort of funny. Attack is in its de- is in its death rattle right now. Mm. It's like it's got about two months left, and then G4 is going away. Mm. But Matt still has to go in and work every day, and I they're see. sort of yeah, they're yeah, working yeah. Yeah. knowing that like yeah, this yeah. is going to end in a yeah. few weeks. Yeah. So he was he was crushed that he couldn't be here today, mm. but he's got a he had to getting write paid a paid to go through the motions. Getting yeah. paid to go yeah. through the motions. Uh, so he wants to know mm. your favorite guitar. My favorite guitar, like favorite guitar. Favorite sort of my one favorite guitar would be my Arm the Homeless guitar that I've played throughout for the last twenty some years. What kind of a? What, what's it's a. It's sort of a homemade. I had it professionally made at a guitar shop and paid a lot of money for it. And everything about it was horrendous. And <laughs> I, it was like the it was the worst guitar that anyone had ever seen or played. And through the years, I just replaced everything about it except for the piece of wood that it was. <laughs> and, was it, was uh, it like the car that Homer designed? The <laughs> it was like. This Got a cup holder. 
shoulder. Yeah, yeah. 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 The mega horn. It was a separate like thing for the I kids. Thought, it was like when I got my. I was, I was making thirteen thousand dollars a year at the center's office. And I got my first couple checks and I put them to. Like I went to a custom design shop. I'm gonna. I like. I'm not a luthier, which is you call people who make guitars. Like, but I thought I need a rosewood fingerboard and I need a this kind of. I'm like, I don't know. How I've seen guitars in magazines and I play. I play the same one my whole life. So I made a really shitty guitar and then and then changed it through the years and eventually became the one that I've used for everything. That's great. So okay, so favorite guitar, favorite pickups. Jesus is like that's this, the 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 wormhole of nerd world for guitarists is perhaps even oh, deeper. Than okay, the we have one. a question on Twitter. I'd say the at, ones on there. At Malmstein wants to know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Headbucket okay, okay, wants to. Okay, okay. The arpeggios you use on the bridge. That's all of a sudden yeah. you, see, you just hear everybody turning it. Yeah. Oh, a friend of mine. Uh, do you know you know Andrew Goldenhurst, right? Yep. Andrew Goldenhurst is a friend of ours who is a. Uh, one of the best magicians. I just saw him at the Magic Castle. Yeah, He's yeah, amazing. Yeah, yeah. But also, not surprisingly, you know, he has these long magician fingers. He's an unbelievable guitarist. Mm. And he plays this stuff by this guy named Michael Hedges. I'm familiar with Michael and, Hedges. And Michael Hedges, I can digest some of it, but I clearly don't have yeah, the yeah. guitar nerd brain yeah, to be like, yeah. I can't even process yeah, some yeah. of this. Why is that awesome? Yeah. He's like, playing yeah, it up yeah. on the neck. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Sometimes it's math. It is, yeah. It, yeah, yeah. Sometimes yeah, it's math. That's yeah. right. So, so what pickup? What pickup? Uh, the EMG pickups that are on that guitar. But I want just just to, so that he doesn't go and buy <laughs> this stuff. Okay. It is my view that the kind of guitar you have, the kind of pickups, the kind of strings, the kind of amplifier you have, make no difference whatsoever with regards to the the how good the music is you make. You know what? You don't tell Matt that because <laughs> yeah. when Matt gets depressed, he buys guitars. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, it may be, guitars may serve to ameliorate your depression. It could. But that's a, for, that's for a, a different thing. Yeah, I went to his place once. I was like, when was the last time you played that one? He was like, oh, I remember that one. <laughs> well, he's a lefty. He's oh, a lefty, yeah, yeah. and so, so he's, he's had a, a real. He's you know he always has whenever yeah. he sees a left-handed guitar. Oh, let's get let's get his questions out of the okay, way. What else got? Uh, <laughs> and he also wants to know <laughs> what what <laughs> has anyone ever asked you about guitar stuff before? Yeah, yeah. I'm just it's curious. my tribe. You know, it's fine. Let's just get let's just let's just click through these quickly. So I have a couple of guitar questions for you. Oh my gosh, what uh, what scale or riff do you play when you this, first pick up a guitar? This is unbearable. This is unbearable. He's still not my. He's still met Myra even though he's not here. <laughs> this is just unbearable. It doesn't matter what riff. I, no, I don't know. I don't play riffs. I play a, I play a, I play a walk a, this way. Just a, say walk an this a way. A minor chord there. I'm sure that's so uninteresting to him. <laughs> so fucking funny. Yeah, that's. Uh, I love. Uh, there's a really He's good. Trying uh, to plug the leak. Yeah. <laughs> a minor. Okay. What else? There's, there's, a, there's a really good. Um, there's a really good interview of like this like drumming website tried to do with like uh, or some show or like they were talking to Dave Grohl about drumming, and they're like, uh, when you were doing the fill for um, this oh, song, oh, like, gosh, uh, yeah. what was like, what was your thought process? And he was like, oh, I was just in my head going, modern drummer cover, modern drummer cover. <laughs> Well, I guess you know what. Then that, that actually is a, is a is a bigger question. Is that when you when you're in the position where that you've been, which yeah. is you know you're one of the best guitar players the humans have to offer. You, how do you sort of 
how do you stay passionate about that thing and yeah. not get like, oh, I don't want to tire my guitar. It's fine. I mean, I really do look at the guitar. I'm, I'm being funny with you. But like, I do consider guitar players one of my beloved tribes. You know, yes. it's like it's the one that I grew up in. And when I was practicing eight hours a day, it was, I'm it. I was reading guitar. I was wishing that I could ask Randy Rhodes and Eddie Van Halen the same questions that I'm being asked now. So I shouldn't be mean. You're not, though, because <laughs> you're know, be mean to that nice guy. <laughs> no, 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 no. No, no. He's not that nice. <laughs> I think, but, but I think, I think the message to take away from that is don't worry so much about all of that shit yeah. just like make the thing just start yeah, making yeah. the thing uh, here's the yeah. here, here's, if he wants to he's sort of stuck in the minute can't, the, the, here's the forest not the trees answer for it is, is, is that this guitar that I that he's asking about which is my favorite one um, it, it was it was horrible and then I tried to make it sound great and I was unable to and I switched the neck ten times and the pickups ten times and the strings and the, the put little pieces of dead weight on it to give it more tall this and that and it never sounded good to me and i had this amp too that i was just like frustrated with so one day i went in there and i just i spent hours fiddling and finally gave up and i and i marked the i got it as good as i could sound i was not satisfied with it it was not the tone i wanted i marked the amplifier like this is the best that i can do and it's not what i want this is the guitar and i decided i'm never going to think about it again i'm going to use this sound and this guitar to now make music and whatever this sound is is the sound that became the sound of rage against the machine records and audio slave records and night watching records and jamming with bruce springsteen records and i just like put it out of my head like i'm not going to chase gear i'm not going to chase that stuff like that's going to be locked in stone, and now it's just going to be about creating with whatever I've got. Wow. But see, again, that is the same message that when you started Raising Against a Machine and you had tried to engineer yeah, success that's right. before, that's and right. with this you tried to engineer that's a thing, right. that right. at a certain point, you just got to fucking let shit go and just start making yeah, something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you're going to be really, I mean, a lot of guitar players, you see, sometimes Raging in the early days we would tour with, and my gear, like that amp sitting right there, see the one with like the, the, the oh, yeah, hood over it, uh -huh. the second one, yeah. with like the paint on the side, that's the amp. It's, you can see it, if you take the thing off, you can see, it's got like the, the knob markings are from that day in 1989. Oh, that's awesome. They're <laughs> on that amp head right there that I've used those for every show, every Every song, every recording. Are you superstitious about that stuff when you travel with it? Or are you like, no, not oh, so much. Really? Not so much. Not so much. I wish I, I could be like that. What, what happens if that amp gets damaged or stolen? Kind of like when um, Sonic Youth's equipment was just oh, stolen, yeah. and they're like, there was a bunch of stuff that was made specifically for oh, specific really? songs, yeah, yeah. and now it's. Gone. It would be bad, but it's. Not, I'm not like I used to not have any gear attachment, but now I feel a little nostalgic about like a couple of the guitars that have been the main ones because I. Think that you know, long after I'm dead, they'll be moldering in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and, <laughs> <laughs> and that'll be sort of sad. They'll have to so create lore. Let's enjoy it now. Tom Morello you know, couldn't eat breakfast now. unless this amp was sitting at the table with yeah, him. Yeah, yeah. Like, let's enjoy is, it yeah, now. Fine and it. I'm sure if you did, if it did break, you lost it. There, there's probably like a pod now that you could just like yeah, rage yeah, against yeah, the machine, yeah, Tom yeah, Morello yeah. style. <laughs> where do you, where, you know, when you talk about playing with guys like Springsteen, or you, t you know, like, first of all. Is there anyone that has unnerved you a little bit? Where you're like, oh, I'm oh. nerding out too much. I can't. Oh yeah, I mean it's it's. I mean Bruce Springsteen is. I he's been a friend for some years now, but I will never consider him a peer. Like he's the only friend of mine to which I subscribe to a fanzine about. You know, right. <laughs> like, like, <laughs> that's really funny. <laughs> hey Bruce, I heard you're playing with Tom Morello. Oh shit, that's yeah, me. me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm on the chat boards and whatnot. You know, like, oh, what was the set list tonight in Barcelona? Oh, like, oh, oh really? Man. He played he played Rosalita in that slot rather than in that slot. <laughs> oh shit. <laughs> oh come on, Tom. I don't know, man. I just pick up a guitar and play an A minor. 
So that one, I, I it's always it's a it's a great honor when I get to play with them. But I but it's something that is always still very very surreal, and I can't really wrap my head around. It is kind of a. I mean, you know, you, you are. It's nice to know that you're still a fan. It's nice oh, to know. Yeah. I think you have Super to be. Super fan. Yeah. Is there is there anyone now? Like who who are you liking now? Like do you still find time to? I don't take have as much time. My ear is not quite to the streets like it once was. With my, you know, the the, the music I listen to most is in my toddler's music class. Sure, where sure. It's <laughs> Incy sure. Beansy Spider is a, one of the hot jams going around <laughs> these days. Uh, but I mean, groups over the course of the last. Some t- I like Black Keys a lot. I like Arcade Fire a lot. I like Connor Oberst in all of his incarnations yeah. a lot. Um, as far as I, I know, tonight I'm going to go see Leonard Cohen, who I still oh, nice. love uh, at the Nokia. Oh, Nokia. nice. Yeah. That's going to be a great place for him. Yeah, I've, I saw him there a few years ago. It was my show of the year. Like He's just awesome. And, and at 70-whatever, he made a great record this last year. And, um, at what point, and you know, maybe this is just something that you learned from having to grow up in uh, sensibly an adverse environment, mm-hmm. of like pulling the confidence to yeah. like, oh yeah, I deserve to be up here with Springsteen. Like, yeah. I mean, obviously you do, but sometimes yeah. when people are in that position, they how do you not sabotage? I guess. Yeah. Well, I've been one thing I've been blessed with is a tremendous sense of false confidence ever since I was a kid. <laughs> like, you probably had to to survive. Yeah, I mean, and part of it was like I was the only kid. Like I was the. I mean, I this is my Psych 101 reading of it. I was the only my my mom and her brother and sister. I was the only child of the next generation. You know, so I got a lot of attention. Yeah. You know, and I was always like. Like people liked me as a kid, and I was supported as a kid. So I and from at the first junior high dance that ever had, the first dude to ask a girl to dance who crossed that no man's land was me. Oh, you know, <laughs> like it was terrifying. Did she and dance she with was, you? She was freaked out. She did dance with me, but yeah. it didn't bl- blossom into romance because I was still the black guy. <laughs> <laughs> That's I mean, probably she's what got a dad. That was know? probably that was probably <laughs> she didn't know you were in. Yeah. Um, and that's probably a lot of the resentment. They like of, to make the dads mad, but that was not then. <laughs> a lot of the resentment from the white kids is like, yeah, of course he's able to walk over there. <laughs> no, but but so so that is I like I there's something in me that I I've always felt like I'm gonna I'm gonna step out the door and do it, man. Like that's. I don't know where that comes. Probably my mom. Like my mom was, like I said, she grew up. She grew up in a small coal mining town in central Illinois, from which no one had ever left. And she, as a single woman in her twenties, went around the world. Yeah. And, and, wow. and so there's part of that. So because she I, lives upstairs here, by the way. She, oh she, really? She oh. often she may she often when she hears activity, she may a- appear at some point. Oh, the, three I feel generations. Like you could podcast yeah, for like an hour. Yeah, 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 yeah. She's uh, yeah. But she's I, quite a one. But I but I do think that uh, <laughs> just the idea of you know, the fact that you're confident, but it's not like, hey, I got to fucking put my chest in your face. Yeah, you know, it's just yeah. like there's that there's that sort of quiet confidence that I feel like is, is something that's good to strive for, which is really just about being comfortable with who you are yeah, and yeah, knowing yeah. that, hey, if I step up to a thing, I'm not going to break the world. It's right. Gonna, everything's right. going to be OK. Right, right, right. right. Uh, Wayne Kramer, who's a good friend of mine, the guitar player from the MC5, he's taught me some valuable. Wayne Kramer doesn't often offer advice but when he does <laughs> you'd better listen because it's really good advice and one yeah. thing he said this was when i was beginning my night watchman stuff and and i was very nervous i was very confident playing in arenas and stadiums playing electric guitar with rage and audio slave but singing in front of a room of 20 people was pretty nerve-wracking at, at first and, Ray, and wayne and i were playing some benefit show somewhere and it was very under rehearsed what we were going to do and i was backstage fetching and going like what 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 we got it we're not ready <laughs> <laughs> and wayne and wayne you know very calmly said 
what's the worst thing that's going to happen? Are the bad performance police going to come around and drag us off to jail? Like, You're right. Let's go rock it. <laughs> it's going to be fine. He did an in-store at the record store. I was working at in Venice once, and um, like uh, he was just like eating pizza. And the guy, another guy who worked there, was a bass player for the Muffs, Ronnie Barnett, and he is um, he like. Uh, Wayne Kramer's eating a piece of pizza. He's like, Wayne, you're going to eat, eat before you perform? He's all, it's a record store, Ronnie. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's probably going to work out. Though, yeah. but, the, but it is more, ner- like, you, know, you can perform for thousands of people, and at a yeah. certain point, they're sort of <clears throat> faceless in the sense you can't really see people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's sort of like, well, they're just a mass. They're yeah, just a throbbing yeah, mass, yeah. and hopefully I'll connect with them and it'll work out. But yeah, it's like you said when you when it's just you. Yeah. Basically, there's not that much difference from a guy who just gets up in a room and That's starts right. talking, right. and That's you can right. see their faces, and That's you're super right. connected. That's right. Yeah, you. Feel but that company, and also it, it helped with both Rage and Audience that you get up there, and if you play these twelve songs, unless you all fall off the stage, it's going to go great. Because <laughs> <laughs> you know? those people came to see yeah, exactly. those twelve. You can't songs. really like if my guitar snapped in half. It probably would still be okay because those guys are, sound pretty good, you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you do, you do you are comfortable with that having that relationship with your audience? You're like, I know, I know what you want to see. I'll give you the stuff oh, yeah. you want to see. I mean, see. well, I mean, it helps with Rage Against the Machine where there's only we there's about you know 16 songs in the entire catalog. <laughs> it's, not, <laughs> yeah. it's not a lot of records there, man. They're really good songs, but they're not a lot of them. You just yeah. reminded me of how um, and just. Even though, even though I don't know you that well, I knew you enough to know that you're uh, a really sweet guy. Is just the thing that happened at Coachella with uh, Crowded House. Was that was that you guys no. where you played? Oh yeah. Oh. <laughs> and then brutal. and then I think uh, did Crowded House go first? I'm not sure. It was just Crowded brutal. House and Rage were programmed around each other. This was the first Rage Against the Machine show in seven years in our hometown yeah. at the Coachella Festival. There was some anticipation. Yes, people were very excited. <laughs> now, uh, if you're uh, if if you come from sort of my world, you know, Neil Finn is an incredible songwriter. I love Crowded House. I love everything they've ever done. I loved all of his solo stuff. Crowded House kind of coming back together was a very big deal. Uh, you know, their drummer committed suicide a few years yeah. back, and so it was sort of a big... And they got a bad slot. They got a, And then they got a bad slot, and so it was Crowded House, you know, and Neil Finn coming out in suits and playing, you know, lovely Crowded House melodies to Rage fans who were really eager to see yeah, Rage. <laughs> they were just getting their spot. And I think yeah. I read a, I think you had made some public statement about how you just felt awful, and I knew that you I really like that did. Guy. Yeah, yeah, I like that guy, and it's, I mean, but that's not... I mean, you got to blame like his management or something. Like somebody, yeah. that's not his fault, but that's yeah. somebody's fault for putting them. You know, they should have put you know Different testament stage. there. Right. <laughs> <laughs> somebody could like take the punches. And yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, that that I I don't I I guess. I guess if you're if you're putting a festival together, and you're like, oh my god, we got credit, we got rage against me. You know what? Everyone's it's here for the fine. It's be yeah, fine. let's enjoy ourselves. Yeah, yeah. yeah it would have been better to have like a, yeah, like a real like combative band. Like if like Jesus Lizard played. Before. Sure, yeah, sure, sure. Just, they could at least vomit. Something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we could do sack tricks yeah. or something you know, <laughs> to just show them the business. Oh yeah, you want rage? Yeah, yeah. Now, yeah. Uh, rage exactly. my pants. Amy, Amy Mann is opening for Dimu Borger or whatever yeah, that yeah. crazy. Uh, <laughs> It's like I remember Posein showed me them a couple like a, like five or six years ago. He's like, "This is the most metal band I've yeah, ever seen." Like yeah. their whole video is just like like Satan head stomping on right. goats and yeah. you know. You like, I just saw. Uh, I went to the Guar show last night. Oh really? I haven't Guar seen it. Still pounding the board. Yeah, right? and there's it's Richmond, Virginia's funny, own. Dude, I I didn't know that's where they're from because I always thought they were from Florida, Richmond, like a lot of metal. Richmond, because uh, <laughs> it's the sunny state. Uh, but uh, there was a guy behind me. 
like losing his voice, going Richmond, Virginia, Richmond, Virginia, <laughs> the entire time. Yeah. I was I was trying to avoid the shaved head guy with the Slayer back tattoo. Wow, wow. yeah. They were Guar was a contemporary of Lockup, my pre Rage Against the Machine. No way. Yeah, we were playing a show in in Virginia, and I remember looking out at the, the, the whatever dim club we were playing whatever whatever career ending club we were playing in on that particular day and looking out the window and their warehouse was across the street you could see all like the props oh the nice i was like wow guars that's, that's, that's awesome but now i would be remiss to, this, is a, this is like sort of a a sharp turn but I, since we're on the nurse we have to at least spend some time about talking about me being in star trek Okay. Because, like, I mean, it's nerdist and all. And, like, I want to make sure that that stamp goes in the You'll get your cred. <laughs> well, that's, you know, that's it. You know, there, when, when you have people I on have that, that do a lot of. <laughs> <laughs> so you were in Star Trek, is it? Yeah, yeah that's correct. Because uh, when, you, when you have people on that do that have done a million things, yeah. it's like you get so, you go down the rabbit hole and, you, and you're like, oh, fuck. Like, when we had Tom Hanks on, someone's like, you didn't ask about monsters and mazes. And I'm like, I forgot. Yeah, yeah, monsters yeah. and mazes. We didn't ask about a lot of things. Yeah. We did talk about, we did talk about a lot of things. Uh, but um, uh, so yeah, I'm familiar with my uh, work in the uh, movie Insurrection yeah. as a sonar. <laughs> <laughs> now, admittedly, you might need a laser pointer to find me <laughs> in the crowd of uh, evil sonar, but uh, but that was pretty so awesome. Let, let, let's let's talk a little bit about Star Trek. So you yeah. you referenced Next Gen earlier. Are you a classic yeah. Star Trek fan? Or those are my, those are the two, and it's hard, it's Apple. Like it's it's like which of your children do you prefer? It's hard. To, I mean, right. I love the I love Kirk, Kirk Punch is a dude or gets with a space alien I love that but I but next generation was the one when I was spending a lot of time unemployed on the couch watching those reruns again and again and again so yeah. that's wormed its way into my psyche in a way that I really love it and so how did the how did the Star Trek cameo happen? yes the uh, um the producer of Star Trek's son happened to be a Rage Against the Machine fan and came to me like they came at me for some something and uh we were in like some do you mean Rod Roddenberry uh, no the, the, the next Oh, of, of Next Gen. Yeah, of Next Gen. Rick Berman. Rick Berman, correct. Yeah, Rick Berman's yeah. son was a, a Rage fan. And somehow we were in, in some, like, touch football thing, and we just started talking about our the, what we did for a living, and I was like, you don't understand. Like, I will, <laughs> I'll sign all Rage Against the Machine shit you, you want for your kid. <laughs> I'll bring him to rehearsal. He can ride piggyback on me while I play a show. Uh, I want to be in some Star Trek. And they're like, sure, no problem. So, like, I got, like, the full Paramount pictures. At the time, all the sets were up, you know, yeah. like, they were still doing the show. So all of, you know, the tour of the new and the old, and I've got, I'm sitting in the captain's chair, just pretty awesome. And then and I was in the movie Insurrection, but the, it was fun to be in the mo- movie. But I got to hang out for a couple days on set with my Star Trek heroes, and at the time, like they were really neck and neck with Bruce Springsteen, like Jean Luc Picard, like as far as nervous, <laughs> nervous to meet. And so I'm there with you know the, the people who are in the sonar makeup, and, we're, and this was way like, it was a you know an hour and forty five minutes drive outside of L A. somewhere in the middle of nowhere, and I'm cheery at four a.m. when my makeup starts, you know, and I'm there with the other people who are getting their makeup, I'm like, and for them it's the worst gig they've ever had in their lives. <laughs> oh, I got you know I just left Granada Hills and I got to be up here. I'm like, all right, guys, what an <laughs> awesome day of work this is. You know what cracks me <laughs> about that is that you win a contest. Yeah. Like, yeah, exactly. You're like, this is so great, and they're like, oh, what do you do? And you go, I'm a musician. And they're like, well, hopefully that'll work out. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're doing this extra I, I work until much, then. much of the day anonymously, and yeah. so then, so I'm, so I'm fully geared up in my sonar suit at, you know, at by six thirty in the morning, and the cast begins arriving. I'm so, and Rick Berman's become a friend of mine. He's really nice, and and so introduces me. And John Luke Picard has had uh, received like a briefing on me on his drive up because he's like, so there's going to be someone here today. He didn't know much about the man. He's very interested in sort yeah. of 
a band that was successful but had these particular politics. So he went, we had a nice chat, and I'm losing my mind. <laughs> 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 and so then the day proceeds, and it's you know it's very fun for me, not less so for my other Sona uh, uh, actors. And they're tripping because like throughout the day, members of the cast and like directors and stuff are coming up and paying a lot of attention to one particular extra me and they're like you know they're sitting down yeah. I was like hey how's it going like like what's up dude like are you related to you got like, it i don't know i don't know like, yeah. yeah. I, like i wear the i wear the makeup well yeah <laughs> i've seen a lot of uh sona come through here but this one guy he just has it down and so around the time like the lunch break or dinner break like word had finally gotten around and then the rest they got a little bit uncomfortable because all of my sona mates they were all in bands and they were all they all had demos in the oh, car shit. and they all were, and the rest of the day was kind of brutal because everybody uh, was like, you know, that sucks. That's pretty exciting. You know what? I was in Voyager as well. We, oh, what? Whoa, hey. <laughs> Speaking role. <laughs> Episode The Good Shepherd. Speaking role. <laughs> and under five. If yeah, you will. Under five. Sag card. <laughs> Voyager. Hey, you. It's Jason Bateman. Have you listened to Smartless? Smartless is the podcast that I host with my friends who are more like brothers. The super talented and funny Will Arnett and Sean Hayes is Jay, Jay, well, Jay, Jay, why are yeah. you why are you whispering? Well, it, there's there's a pst in the in the in the copy. But people are listening, so it's like they are listening. Like, okay. Yeah. In each episode of Smartless, one of us reveals our mystery guest to the other two. What ensues is a genuinely improvised and authentic conversation. Our mystery guests span our mystery. We'll cut this out. Our Mystery guests. All right, here we, we go. We got a lot of big famous people from different walks of life. And if you're yeah, a Wondery fan, then you're going to stone. Yeah. Just you come and listen Tyson. to it. Yeah. We're on Wondery right now, and you can listen to us. And no matter what you're doing, you're at the gym or you're in the car, just listen yeah. to the podcast. Sean, tell them where they can find it. Follow Smartless on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to Smartless ad free by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Bye. Bye.